This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Listening to In a City Like Yours, a semi-monthly podcast featuring interesting people with interesting life stories. This podcast may contain language and/or subject matter not suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. I'm your host, Michael G. Moore. Please visit our website at InACityLikeYours.com. That's I-N-A-C-I-T-Y-L-I-K-E-Y-O-U-R-S.com for links to our social media, all popular podcast platforms, and links of interest pertaining to all episodes. On this episode, I speak with Jennifer and Brian. First, Jennifer tells of her early childhood and experiencing abandonment from her mother. We also get to hear of her film career and what she has going on today. Then, after the break, we hear from Brian, who is an accomplished musician with several major CD releases and performances under his belt. Later in his career, he decides acting is where he finds the most enjoyment. He has been focused on his film career ever since. Here are Jennifer and Brian's stories. This is Jennifer Nash, and I'm calling from the City of Angels, Los Angeles, California. And my story is from when I was a really little kid. It's, um... It's not usually one that I tell people, but for some reason I feel like I can, I can tell it now. So I was born in South Africa, and I came back to Texas when I was a, a little kid and grew up in Texas mostly. Um, and in the beginning I had two little brothers. And my mother <clears throat> was a stay-at-home mother who got really excited about this guy that she was reading about. This is in the 70s, late 60s, maybe right, right around 1970. And, and she decided to do psychic experiments. Um, and my aunt was helping her in the beginning. My aunt lived in Dallas and we were in San Antonio and they would test each other with these psychic sort of tests that they came up with. And my aunt just thought, oh, you know, fun, interesting, sort of experimental, um, dive into it. But my mother got really into it and she started doing it for money. And she started, started a little church, actually. It was pretty weird. I'm the oldest, so I'm the child who remembers this the most or if if any I don't think my little brothers remember at all because they were just too little but when I was about between four and five in that period um some guy started coming over to our house during the day when my dad was at work my dad was in PR and he was kind of famous in San Antonio he hung around with his first cousin who was a very famous jazz musician and they drove around in this really cool MG old MG beautiful car and um, went to the jazz club all the time at night and of course took my mother sometimes and they were both super handsome and very well known so like when I was a little tiny kid I was on the front page of the newspaper with the original Bozo the clown for the world's hemisphere stuff like that anyway they were really well known in San Antonio and so during the day, this guy starts coming over to visit my mom. And I was sent into the backyard the whole time he was there. But pretty soon, she started taking me with this, this dude, who turned out to be a preacher, to this little church they started. And it wasn't like a church church. It was like a hippie, weird church. It was probably 20 people, including myself and my two little brothers, because she didn't have you know, a babysitter to leave us with. And we'd sit on the floor, cross-legged, and pass around bread, a loaf of bread and some wine, 
and I don't remember what they said. It was it was weird. And then people started coming over to get psychic readings from my mother too. Well, uh, this kind of all exploded. I guess my dad figured out what was going on, which is that she was having an affair with this guy, Will, who was coming over. And it was bad. It was real bad because he was a famous preacher in Texas. And he was famous for some good reasons. Um, he wanted to integrate the church and he led the first gay parade to, you know, accept gay men and women into the church. So he was famous for some of those good reasons and on the front page of the Dallas Morning News and, you know, some other articles about him because he was a real forward thinking preacher. But when he started having this affair with my mother and they started this weird little cult church, he was married with two children and it culminated in a, what I remember of it. I'm a little kid and there's this little place that's still there in San Antonio, Texas. And everybody with kids that's in central San Antonio knows what it is. It's called Kitty Park. And it's like one of those janky, I mean, coming back to look at it as, a, as an adult, it's so funny. Um, there, I hardly ever see places like this anywhere else anymore, but it's like a janky little, you know, amusement park for real little kids, like five and under, you know, little boats with boats that circle around and teeny tiny little Ferris wheels and little trains and things like that. And of course, when I was a really little kid, between the ages of four and five, I thought it was one of the coolest places ever. But I guess Will and my mother, Judy, took us to Kitty Park, and my dad found out about the affair. And he came to Kitty Park, started dragging us away from her, and it culminated in a fist fight in the parking lot of Kitty Park. And uh, it was bad. It was really bad and really scary. Ultimately, um, I mean, you know, these are this is one of those stories that just <laughs> you tell it and you think, oh yeah, right, that's not a real story. That's a that's a fictional book or a movie. And um, I am I've just started to to write it down as memoir because it it gets crazier and crazier. But uh, what happened was my mother moved in with Will and his wife and kids. And that got splashed all over the front pages of the San Antonio newspapers. And it was totally humiliating for my father. And she wanted to run away with Will to Mexico. And, and my dad said, well, you're not taking my kids with that guy to Mexico. <laughs> so my wonderful grandmother came down <laughs> to San Antonio. And I laughed, but as you can imagine, this is, this is, the source of a lot of pain for me um she came down to san antonio to help out and she had a, a decent amount of money upper middle class with a dress store that she owned she had a business uh she came down to help out and my mother and my father and my grandmother got into a room with a lawyer and she said i'll sign whatever you want for a thousand dollars and she gave me away, me and my two brothers away, forever. Visitation, everything, everything. Agreed never to see us again, in fact, legally, for $1,000. So <clears throat> when I first heard that story, <clears throat> and then I had it, you know, corroborated with my grandmother, it made me feel for a long time that I was worth $333.33 to my own mother. She left, and um, I didn't see her again uh, hardly. A couple times she tried to visit us with Will, but my stepmother, my dad remarried in, in a couple years, and my stepmother or my father would hustle us into the station wagon. And he had three more kids, so there were six of us, and we'd all get into the station wagon, go to the grocery store to, to avoid her. And I didn't really see her or know her again until I was 17 years old. And that's a whole other story. But um, when I did finally go and spend some time with her, 17 years old, by this time she's not in Mexico anymore. She's got a ranch with Will 
Will, the preacher, and they've had two kids. <clears throat> it's in Lockhart, Texas, this ranch. I found out that she, uh, she always wanted to be an actress. And that was something that my parents and my grandmother kept from me vigilantly. They didn't want me to know that she, she actually had been an actress for like a minute. She premiered uh, Look Back in Anger at the Old Globe in Los Angeles, in uh, San Diego. Sorry, in San Diego. And uh, got grave reviews. She was absolutely gorgeous. I mean, gorgeous. And I didn't know any of this stuff, like that she was an actress. And it kind of ended up explaining to me why my stepmother and my dad were so adamantly against me wanting to be an actress. I had no idea, but I started wanting to be an actress when I was in fourth or fifth grade. And I was just unstoppable. You know, they, they didn't support it. They didn't want me to do it. And after meeting her and spending a whole summer with her and her wacky husband, <laughs> I really understood why they were so against the whole idea. I was like, she ended up being so crazy <laughs> that I thought at, at the end of that summer, I thought, I dodged a bullet and I'm so glad that my grandmother came down and gave her a thousand dollars to go away <laughs> because I can't imagine how I would have turned out if she had stuck around I really don't and that's uh that's just about as much of that story as I want to tell right now <laughs> okay um you now you say you were four to five at that age or were you older yeah they will no no I was between four and five I mean probably when the this went on behind my dad's back for, I mean, probably a year. So I'm saying that whole range of four to five years old. She left, she left us when I was five. Did you ever, or have you ever, come to terms with the abandonment? Well, now that's a really good question. Um, and I, I, I think the answer is I don't know. I don't really know. Um, I have been a disaster in my grown-up life at choosing men to have relationships with. I mean, not always, but mostly. So maybe that maybe that is you know coming from that whole thing. But I ended up having um, my first child when I was super duper young, and I, I'm single mother of four kids my whole life, and I have a great relationship with them. And I do remember telling every single one of my babies right after they were born, I'm never, I'm never going to leave you. I will never leave you. I don't know how she could have. I don't, I have no idea how she could do that because it's as a mom now, it's so unfathomable. It's, it's just not anything I understand, any part of me. I love my children so much, and they're such a huge part of my life. Did did she, regarding her psychic abilities, did she have abilities, mm -hmm. or is that a, a... Lord, Lord in heaven, that's a good question. Now, you know, when she first started these experiments with my aunt, um, and I, told, I was able to talk to my aunt about it later, um, it, kind of, it seemed like she did. It seemed like maybe she did. They would do these tests, like, you know, I'm, you know, one of them in Dallas, one in San Antonio, my aunt in Dallas saying, say, would pick up an object and say, well, I've got something in my hands that's important to me. What is it? And Judy, my mom, would, would be able to tell her. Stories like that. That's how it started. Um, by the time I visited her when I was 17 out in Lockhart on the ranch, uh, it was so crazy. It was so messed up. And at that point, I started thinking, you know, she's just making this shit up. She's just making it up. But one of the first things she did was take me into her parlor, which looked like a parlor out of a, an old Texas ranch in 1920-something, because all the furniture was really old and dusty, and there was an old piano in there, and it smelled musky. And she sat me down, cross-legged on the floor once again, and did a did a what she called a reading. 
but it wasn't like telling me my future. She sort of transformed into this other character. And it was a character with a really deep voice and told me that, you know, I was like Zeus reincarnated. I mean, I know it sounds mad, but that I, I will never forget that. I mean, who was going to forget that? You finally see your mother after, you know, years and years. And she tells you that you're Zeus reincarnated and just made it this elaborate story. And it was so, so crazy. And all I could think of when I was watching her, really, I mean, she really took on a whole other personality. And I understand that there are people out there in the world who um, they channel, I guess, channel spirits or channel other entities or whatever, maybe spirits, dead people, I don't know what they are, but, um, but I've always stayed away from that because of thinking that my mom was a psychic and I've specifically stayed away from it because what I experienced with her was so, uh, it was just so off the rails to me and I, I was just watching her do this whole performance thinking she was probably a great actress like she was probably freaking amazing and maybe it was because she didn't get a chance to do the acting her her mother like kind of went all francis style you know like the movie francis and L- dragged her back you know, did, you, did you see that movie oh jessica lang is wonderful right yeah um, it's exactly. a horrible story but uh but it's really well oh, acted great movie and a horrible hard to take hard to take but her mother was kind of like Frances Farmer's mother she did not want her to act and she dragged her back from um, California and did not support her and my mother you know my mother felt trapped and stuck and that's why she and my dad ran off to South Africa just to get out of Texas and have an adventure and get away from her mother you know (laughs) but I thought I thought during this time maybe if she'd been allowed to be that actress that after seeing her go into these performances where she's channeling some you know crazy spirit I I just thought gosh darn it she probably was amazing she was probably an amazing actress and instead of being able to do it for theater or film or television she's she's this is what she's doing well speaking of uh, amazing actress let's talk about your you and your career now, when did you start in acting? Did you was it something that you did in high school and in, in college, or if you went to went to college? Yeah, um, um, I didn't go to college. I actually went to acting school in London. I went to conservatory, darling. Huh. But um, no, I started I started before that. My grandmother was real supportive. I moved in with her when I was super young, when I was a teenager, and. She um, helped me audition for the National Theater of Great Britain. They had a summer program in Santa Fe. So, you know, when I was like 14 years old, I went and spent the whole summer in Santa Fe with these amazing actors from the National Theater. And it was just, boy, if I thought I wanted to be an actress before that, I, I was just, there's no stopping me after. And it was just incredible. And then from there, I went to Interlochen Arts Academy, which is a boarding school for the fine arts. And they had an excellent acting program. My grandmother was so kind. She said, you know, she'd seen me in a couple of plays before that. And, and she even helped me get an agent in Dallas. And so I did a little bit of modeling and, you know, commercials and stuff like that when I was a teenager. Um, and she said, if you find a boarding school with a great acting program, I'll send you. So I researched it and I found it and I went. And then from there, I went to um, the London Academy of Music and Dramatic Art and then never looked back. Just been a, an actress until recently. What was your first uh, big role? Well, um, my first big role was arguably, I got a Broadway show when I was still at Lambda. And I was moved you know they paid the the show paid for me to move to new york with my one-year-old baby at the time my to my son and that was a huge role but unfortunately the writers we rehearsed right next to um 
Starlight Express, and it was amazing. I was singing and dancing. I wasn't expecting to do that. I was really considering myself a straight actress, uh, far more than a musical theater actress. But I got to do it with this incredible cast of Alvin Ailey dancers, and I was the star of the show, so that was huge. But then the writer's strike happened, and one of their backers fell out, and the show closed in previews, so it, did, it never went anywhere. But it was still a huge part, and it was really, really fun. You were in Star Trek, uh, the TV series. Which episode, Which series was it that you were? It was in? Next Generation. Oh, the best one. Okay, cool. Did, was it a <laughs> was it a recurring I, role? No, unfortunately, I sure wish it had been. But I got to be in a very popular episode called The Inner Light, and I played. Um, Captain Picard's daughter, Maribor, on a dying planet. He gets to live a whole life through a probe, and it's the one, people remember it as the one where he plays the flute. Um, and so, yeah, my planet dies, so I didn't get to come back. That was a bummer. Well, I'm geeking out that you were actually on a Star Trek episode. That's, that's for me, is right up there with being like in Gone with the Wind or something, you know? <laughs> it, was, it was very cool that I got to do that. I was very lucky and happy about that well what are you and, doing these uh, days well these days i'm writing and i've written a sci-fi series that's much inspired by all of the star trek series only in the respect that there are social justice messages just you know woven throughout every episode and i really love that about the star trek series it's like it's entertaining and there's all this cool futuristic science stuff that became reality a lot of it you know a lot of real scientists say they were inspired by the original series or next gen and um i just cite those two because they were the first ones and you know those people of the right age to be scientists now um or writers you know so many people were influenced so well in such good ways by those series and I um, I was working out in Pittsburgh for a couple of years and the 2016 election happened and I felt like the country just almost feels like it's tearing itself apart right now with these perceived differences and I was a little frustrated by what I saw on the news and what I saw around me quite frankly like right around me and I thought well I'm not a billionaire or a scientist or a politician I'm a storyteller what can I do? How can I, how can I use my voice to hopefully just, of course, entertain, but also maybe, maybe make people think a little bit differently about their fellow, fellow humans on this planet. And I was also, and still am, to be honest with you, a little bit um, tired of seeing sci-fi done the same way and, and then there's there's some great sci-fi out there believe me i i'm such a big fan of all of it but i wanted to do something that a was a cast of half female actresses of all ages shapes and colors and i wanted it to be diverse and i wanted it to have these social justice messages like i admire throughout all of the star trek series yeah i'm really passionate about this series i'm trying to get it off the ground right now and i've collaborated with um a graphic artist, a graphic novel artist, and we're we're going to release a graphic novel of the pilot episode. It's called Hide, and that'll be out by December first. And I'm so excited about all of it. So excited. Well, well, maybe you can come on later after you after it's been produced, and we can talk about it. Well, yes, I would love to. I don't ever get tired of talking about that. Yeah, you've done acting. You're a writer. Did you perform any other duties? And your, as your time, you know, as uh, on, on the film set, or were you producing or? Yeah, yeah, no, I've produced some little stuff. I haven't done anything big as a producer or a director. Um, just just little stuff, and I, you know, I've taken other film-related jobs. I was doing background casting and some very minimal casting on um, this series called Mindhunter, the Netflix series. That's why I was in Pittsburgh, was for that job. And then before that, I worked with a boutique casting agency uh, here in Los Angeles and worked on all kinds of things from nocturnal animals to Kongskull Island to shows that you probably have not heard of, <laughs> like Dance Camp. 
Team Team Wolf, like so many shows with Sandy Elise, that was really cool and cast a lot of commercials. Um, and yeah, so I've done a bit of casting and a, a little bit of producing, but I don't consider myself a producer. And if you know any good producers that want to help me make this series, I think it's going to be huge. Send them my way. Hi, I'm Chris. And I'm also Chris. And together we do a comedy podcast called Cooking with Grief. Each week we dive into four surprising facts about anything from science to history to the weird world we live in, making jokes about all of it as we go along. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And you can also find us on Twitter at Cooking with Grief. No G on cooking. Glitter, apparently, is so unique that it can be effectively used as forensic evidence. The Bank of England's chief economist has urged to start using people's Spotify playlist as a way of measuring the economy. In China, Avengers has been translated as Fulian or Women's Federation. Not only did the Russians capture the uh, Crimean Peninsula, they also captured some Ukrainian military dolphins. In Pinocchio, when the film becomes a real boy, in the original, it ends with a cat and a fox hanging him from a tree. <laughs> just... Scientists have wiped a snail's memory. <laughs> and Slytherin's going, can we have an extensive <laughs> series of tunnels, sort of wide enough to fit a giant people-killing snake? Where do you fall on the, uh, on the scone-scone debate? Scone, obviously. Oh, I love scone. So, what have you got to lose? Give us a try. Nothing to lose but your sweet, precious time. Yeah, that's true. Hi, my name is Brian Elder. I'm 41 and I live in Austin, Texas. Um, I'm an actor, filmmaker. I, uh, I do acting, directing, writing, uh, as far as screenwriting. Um, and I, uh, I also produce as well. I came from a musical background. Uh, where I was a guitar player, a singer, and a uh, vocalist for uh, for many years, for most of my life, actually, um, since a very, very, very young age. Um, I remember my uh, my mom uh, showing me pictures of uh, of me being like, I think I, I had to have been like three, four years old or something, because I know we moved after that from from Hampton. Uh, I'm from Virginia originally, but I live in Austin, Texas, and so. But I remember showing pictures at Christmas time. I had. Um, you know, Dukes of Hazard guitar and stuff. So I didn't know how to play, obviously. Then I was like three or four years old, but I had it in my hands. <laughs> so it was something that was inside of me for a very, very long time, I guess. Uh, and I just I did it most of my life. So some of the things that I know we want to talk about was um, some like any some events that were that were life changing. And man, I have thought on this for a little bit. And there's there's quite a few things that I mean, you know, I remember. Um, falling into the film business. I remember how I got there and it was just, that was a big thing for me because um, I, I never thought that, you know, like I said, I came from a musical background at a very, very, very young age. And I just, that's all I did. Like I, I just, I, I dreamt and ate and slept music. It was just, that was my thing. I loved it so much and I, I played all the time and, I remember I would sit out uh, in the garage. We had a um, a studio back there. It was a band rehearsal space and everything. And I would sit out there, whether I was with the band or whether I was, you know, by myself or whatever. And I would play and just and just play and sing. And that was just my thing. I just I loved doing it so much. And um, I'd got a thrill out of playing on stage and and all that sort of stuff. And um, so I never thought that anything would ever take place of that, as far as like you know a passion or you know towards a career or anything like that. I thought that was going to be the thing you know for me and I did a lot with it as far as like I signed with a label and I mean I did um, you know open for nationals and we did radio interviews and all kinds of stuff like that and newspaper things won awards all kinds of stuff for that so I did a lot with it and one of the things I wanted to do was open for Brett Michaels so that was a life-changing thing too I mean I, I said from a young age I was like I'm gonna be on stage with Poison at one point and open for Brett Michaels and and I got to do that I got to accomplish that goal twice actually and so you know, there's different things with that, but I never thought that anything would take place of that, and then acting did. I remember though when I first started. It's funny because when I first started playing music, I actually um, I was very shy when I was when I was a young kid. I was very very shy. I remember my mom; she was very supportive of doing all that stuff. So she took me to a um, Star Search thing. She signed me up because I wanted to do it so bad, and she signed me up, and I went and did it. And when I got there, I just 
froze. <laughs> I didn't want to do, I couldn't do anything. I just froze and couldn't do it. I don't even remember if I ever did perform or if I just, I had to leave the room. I mean, I was really young. I had to been like, I don't know, like nine, 10, 10 years old or something like that. But, and then I remember in fourth grade, they found out that I sang and they were, they were asking me to sing in class. And so my teacher was like, yeah, can you sing in class? And so I had to put my head down in order to sing. I had to put my, my head down in my, in my arms and sing. And so one of the things that this changed my life in the, in the perspective of, of music that I was, I mean, I love doing it. And I could do it in front of my family all day long and a few friends, but I couldn't, I had like, I guess a stage fright thing or something. I just, I couldn't, I was shy and everything at the time. No longer is that the case. <laughs> I get in front of like 10,000 people and love it. But like the thing that changed that for me was, I remember I was at a, I was at a band room uh, rehearsal and one of my friends, um, I still talk to him this day every once in a while. Um, he, uh, he used to be a musician. And he came up to me and he was in rehearsal and he could tell that, you know, I, I did it, but I was a little nervous and stuff. And at this point I was in, I was in high school. I think it was uh, younger high school years. And, uh, and he was like, he came up to me, he said, who's the man? And I was like, I don't know. And he said, who's the man? I said, I have no idea. He was like, you are, he's like, you're the man. He was like, you have to think that when you get on that stage, he said, it's the only way you get past your stage fright. He's like, you have to be confident in yourself and think that you're the man. He's like, it's a, it's a totally different thing from, you know, from when you get off the stage. He's like, but you have to do that. You have to get in that persona. And just he built my confidence, you know, with what I needed to do and stuff to, to get past that, I guess, you know, because after that, I was I was fine. I loved performing in front of people and, and I still do I still do to this day. But um, but yeah, so that was a life that was a life changing thing for me, which I, I really needed. Um, and that, that helped. Um, and that thing. And then like, like I said, now it's like, if I could be in front of 10,000 people, I'm all over it. I'm all over the stage. I just, I love it. And, uh, and I don't, and I guess that's one of the things that actually changed that for me. Um, you know, he told me how to think as an, as a artist himself, he told me how I had to think when I was on stage and just, you know, coached me through that. And then getting in, when I was going back to getting into the film thing, I remember getting a call one day to, just to be uh, a background in something. And it was, I'm from Virginia, so it was like uh, to have and to hold or something like that. It was a James um, Jamestown type film. And I had really long hair at the time. So uh, they called me in to be a Jamestown settler. And I agreed, I went and I tried the outfits on and I thought it was really cool. Uh, it was fun. And then I spent like a week on that one. And then from that set, they were asking me to you know, people were telling me to go try out for Lincoln, which is a Spielberg film they were doing in, in Virginia at the same time. And so I went and tried out for that. And I got to work on that set for like three weeks. And we did it like a week of training or two weeks of training or something like that with uh, with muskets, learning how to fight with the muskets and uh, learning how to uh, do fist to fist combat and stuff like that. And that's that was what really connected me to the film industry. I absolutely loved it. And that's where my love of character acting comes in now. Like I love doing any kind of character acting. And so, and that's just, that's really what, what pushed me into the film business. And, um, and that to me was, it, it's, it's, was, it was just a great experience, a great, um, you know, change in my life to go from that to, from the music into the, the filmmaking. Cause I just, I absolutely love it. And I, can't see myself doing anything different now of that you know I still love to play but it's not you know I don't know it's just it's just so much so much fun and so uh, I really enjoyed that and that was that was something that really helped um, you know change uh, change my my path and my career on that and stuff and I don't really know what it was about it it's just I just I love it so much but see another thing that really was a good um, an event that changed my life too recently was um, this is something that helped me with with filming as well as I got um, I was doing uh, I was working six days a week and and focusing on a career at the time and I was doing um, I was a waiter and so I was on the floor four nights a week I mean uh, four doubles and two singles six days a week and it was it was a lot and it was very tiring and you know, anyone that's been a waiter knows it's a lot of hard work. You're on your feet all day long and all that stuff. And so, and then I also pushed the career. So I was definitely burning both ends of the candle. 
I remember reading this article. I got this email that came through, and uh, and I was a waiter at this restaurant for like four, almost four years. I had uh, gotten this article that came through was from backstage, and it was talking about how to make your day job into something to push your career or something like that. And I never read those things, but I thought to myself, maybe I should read this one. So I don't know why I read it. You know, the, it was talking about how a lot of your artists go into call centers and bartending and serving and all that sort of stuff because they think that it's more flexible for their career. But when in reality, they're saying it's not. They were saying, you know, you got to have something that actually, you know, lets you work less and, and make more and things you can, you know, schedule your own time instead of working for other people. Because when you're on the floor, you basically don't have the time to answer your phone. And when your agent calls you, whoever calls you for a job, if you don't answer that within like an hour or so, I mean, you know, they, they you have to answer them within the hour. And if you're at a busy night, you can't get to it right away. You know, you can't get to the email right away. And so I was reading that article and it really opened my eyes. And I was like, oh, this is, and then also so that you got, when you get home, you're a little tired. You're, you know, you're basically, you're burning that side of your career, you know, to where you are just, um, the creative side is just, you're exhausted. And so, and I just, I was like, wow, I was like, this is, this is pretty, uh, you know, eye opening. So the same week though, all this happened in a week, I got, um, I had gotten a phone call from a friend of mine and, uh, we were talking about, uh, film stuff and they were telling me, they were like, you know, um, and, and I'm a, I'm a Christian. So, you know, I, I believe in God and, and everything. And so that's, you know, my, my faith, that's my faith, you know, so I know this was like, you know, science being pushed, you know, stuff to me. And, um, and so him and I were talking about, you know, different things. And I was telling him about, um, you know, he's also in the film business too. And I was telling him about, um, you know, the article I read and all that. And he was like, look, he's like, you got to stop chasing money. You know, he's like, you got to pay your bills. I understand that. He's like, but if you, if you chase your dreams and you stop chasing money, he was like, the, the, the money will come. You know, I mean, he was like, you got to follow your heart. The money will surely be there. You know, and he was using the faith part of it, too. And he was saying, you know, I mean, the Bible even says that, you know, God will provide all your needs. And I was like, true. I was like, he would start telling me stories about some of the things that he did. He was also it's funny because he was also one of the CEOs of the label I signed to years and years ago. So we've been friends since like 2005. You know, that's when I, I had signed to the label was 2006. Um, he. Uh, he was telling me about that and he was telling me some stories about what had happened to him in his life and uh, where, you know, he didn't have any money, but, you know, it all worked out. He was like, he felt like, you know, God had told him, you know, hey, you got to go to California. And he was like, what am, how am I going to get to California? You know, he's like, at the time, he's like, he had no money. He was like, I'm going to get to California. And then he was like, but I'll go. He said, like, you want me to go? And so um, somebody came up to him like a week later and actually gave him a plane ticket for him and his wife and was like, here's, you know, a plane ticket to LA. And he was like, okay, that's how I'm going. He's like, I don't know how I'm going to live out there, but this is how I'm going to go. And then he said, he started, he did some work on, um, his, uh, preacher's house and they sold their house. He did just little minor stuff. And then like, uh, they brought him $30,000 and said, you know, I don't know why, but God put it on my heart to give you this $30,000. He was like, okay, that's how I'm living in, in LA now or whatever. So he was telling me things like that. And he was just like, you know, you've got to follow your heart. You've got to do this. You know, he said, you got to take that leap of faith. That's what it's all about. You've got to jump if you want to do this. And I was like, true, true. And then the same week, uh, one of my friends, uh, she cuts my hair all the time. She came over and she was telling me about Uber and, and all that sort of stuff. And she's like, you know, you got to check that out. Just out of the blue and stuff. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's what I was thinking was, you know, all this other stuff to do. And then my... I mean, it's, it's crazy, like all this happened in a week. And this has like been the greatest thing. Um, and this is last October, all this happened to me. And she, uh, so she told me about that. And then I was working for a character acting job as well. So I would dress up as, you know, Spider-Man or Batman or, you know, whoever. We would do birthday parties. We do corporate events. Uh, it was a company I worked for. We also did Dell Children's Hospital. We visit them every Thursday. It would, you know, um, interact with the children that, had, that were uh, sick and everything to get, get them happy and get their mind off of stuff. And, you know, and so it was, uh, it was really cool. I, I did that. And when I was telling her that I was leaving my job, um, when I at the point when I decided to do that, she had uh, told me she was like, "Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pay you 20 bucks more an hour now." You know, and it's not like a thing we do every every, you know, it's not a, a, something we do all the time. So. Um, 
you know, so that helped out. And I was like, really? I was like, that's awesome. So that, and then I got another character directing job. She was like, hey, she's like, I want to hire you for, for my stuff as well. And so I'd gotten that. I got booked on that as well. And so that was a constant thing too. And then, uh, and then another friend of mine I reached out to who did uh, film stuff. And I was asking her, I was like, hey, if you got anything on set that I can do, I was like, I've been a PA, I've been an AD, you know, I can AC, um, you know, I mean, I, I know my way on my way around set, you know, and she's worked with me before. And so she was like, yeah, absolutely. I'll recommend you. And so at the time I was still at my job this whole this this whole week that this happened. I was still at my job and I got a, a phone call and uh, or no, I'm sorry, I got an email. I got an email. And it was from uh, one of the, the Food Network channels or whatever. And it was one of the, uh, it was something they were doing in San Antonio. And, you know, they asked for a PA. And she had recommended me, my, my friend. So um, they needed to know, of course, like I said, I have to answer within an hour. I was at work. It was my busy time during the, during the night. So I was on the floor. I was running around. I didn't, I couldn't get to my email. By the time I got to my email, I checked it. And then they needed me. This was a Tuesday. They needed me Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And by the time I checked my email, it was like an hour and a half past when she had sent me the email. So I responded and I was like, I was like, I'm available definitely tomorrow. I can let you know for sure Thursday and Friday if you um, want to get past the, you know, my shift that I'm on right now. And she came back and she responded. She was like, well, I've already got, uh, I've already got it covered, you know, because I didn't answer with a timely, you know, she didn't tell me that, but I know that's, that's how that business works. And so I didn't answer in enough time. So she got the shifts covered. So I, I lost three days on a, on a film set. And then the next day I had gotten a call from uh, my friend, Emily, who was, who was setting me up. And she was like, Hey, I've got a Friday and a Sunday for you in Waco as a PA, if you want to take it. And I was at the, I was at work um, on Sunday and it was two days later. I couldn't get, um, you know, or three days later, and I couldn't get my shift covered because it's not that easy, you know, where I was at to get it covered. And then Friday, I already had an acting gig, which was a good reason not to do it. But I lost two more days. And so all of that happened in that week. And so I just, you know, and I had no savings. I had no nothing. You know, I pretty much was just living paycheck to paycheck because, you know, like my friend was saying, I was chasing the money to pay my bills because that's what I was focused on going, I've got to pay my bills, I've got to pay my bills, I've got to pay my bills, you know, but I'm also burning in the other end of the candle because I'm doing all my other stuff, my auditions and, you know, uh, my screenplay work and then going to um, acting class and then, you know, all this other stuff, you know, I have to do as well. And so um, it was a lot of, a lot of work and less sleep and, you know, all that sort of stuff. And so so I finally, I was like, you know what, I need to just, I need to just do this. And it was, it was scary. I mean, because jumping off like that and just saying, okay, you know, I'm, I'm taking a sleep of faith. God, you got me. And so I felt scared about it, but I also felt good. I felt peace. I prayed about it and all that stuff and felt good about it. And so I went to my job the next day and I was like, you know, I know I'd been at this restaurant for a while, but I was like, all right, look, here's what I want to do. And they, they sold, they sold the restaurant to a new ownership too. So so it wasn't the same people that I'd been working with for a few years. And so I told him, I was like, in two weeks, this is basically my two week notice. I want to be off the schedule and I just want to be a fill-in server if you accept me as a fill-in server. It means you call me whenever you need me. If I'm available, I'll take it. If not, then let me know when you can use me again. And I said, if not, if you can't use me as a fill-in server, otherwise, this is my two week notice. And um, so they accepted to use me as a server, as a fill-in server. and I feel I did my two weeks and got taken off the schedule from doing six days a week. And, you know, I had, I think I, when I left, I think I had like $200 to my name and I didn't know how I was going to do anything, but I was like, you know, I'm, I'm going to going to do it. Cause like, I mean, again, my, I, I'm completely a man of faith. I believe that God takes care of you and all that sort of stuff. And I know this is my path that he wants me to do is filming is, uh, is acting and filmmaking and stuff. And so I, um, not only, uh, again, since October, not only have I been freelancing everything and I've been, you know, paying all my bills, everything's been taken care of every month. He gives me the, what I need. Um, he puts the jobs in front of me that I need and it works. I don't, you know, I mean, everything I'm, again, I'm freelancing everything, but, uh, between doing the character acting jobs that I'm doing, uh, if I need to drive for Uber, I do that. It's my last thing I do. You know, whenever they call me in a restaurant, I'm available. I do that. And of course, I do any acting jobs I get, any filmmaking jobs I get. 
be a cinematographer for another job or PA for another one, acting for another one or whatever, uh, take all those jobs. And not only have I done that, and he's provided every single thing that I've gotten, you know, as far as food and rent and utilities and everything that I've gotten, but I also have moved uh, since then. I moved in February, into February, I moved from one apartment where I had a roommate, uh, where we split the rent, and uh, so it made my rent cheaper. So not only did I move then, but I moved into a new apartment March 4th, and my rent is $400 more a month because I'm on my own now. Um, and I had to pay double rent between February and March, between the 22nd and the 4th, that I was my lease ended at the other place on March 4th and started the new one February 22nd and double utility bills. And I can't tell you how I made that happen. Well, I didn't make that happen because, again, I'm giving I'm giving God all the glory. But like, that's the kind of thing that I think is amazing. And you know, and that's you know, my testimony for that is I've had more time to be able to pursue more things with my filming, more things with my acting. I've been able to just get more things done. I've been able to meet more people, I've been able to just make more things happen. And I'm very thankful for that. And that's been an event in my life where it's just been take that leap of faith. You gotta, you gotta have faith and you gotta, you know, take that jump, you know, and I mean, it's right, you know, it says it in the Bible, God will provide all, I'll provide all your needs. And he certainly has provided everything that I needed to, to survive, to live, pay my bills. And again, I'm paying more money for rent now and he's still, has given me the jobs to provide and everything. So that's been my life-changing event recently. I'm Kyle. This is Steven. Together we host a show called Boy Meets World. Tell them what we cover on Boy Meets World. Boy Meets World, but that's not all, is it? No. Now we cover life experiences. Ours. Oh, son of a <laughs> All right, just check out the show, please. We really, <laughs> we really need it. Okay. We need a win. Just check us out. We talk about the show Boy Meets World. Each episode of our show, we run parallel for an episode of Boy Meets World where we will examine the show. That's way too much. What happens. You know, our life, how it relates to it, experiences. I can't believe you're still recording. I am recording this. <laughs> check it out, guys. You'll get some hilarious stories from me and Steven from our childhood. You'll get a great... <laughs> ah, I lost it. Let's um, let's talk a little bit about your your family, your life, your upbringing. Um, if you're married, uh, let's try to get into the personal aspect of who Brian Elder is. Okay. So um, I come from Virginia, uh, from a small town, Gloucester, Virginia. It's uh, most people don't know where that's at, but it's uh, I always tell people if you know where Williamsburg is, you know where Richmond is. It's like right in the middle of those two. Uh, it's about 30 minutes, um, about 30 minutes east, or 30 minutes west of um, of Williamsburg, about 45 minutes east of Richmond. My family still lives out there. My immediate family. I have a brother, a sister, older brother, younger sister, and uh, my mom lives out there. Uh, my sister's married. My brother's got a child. Uh, my sister has three three children, so I have three nephews and one niece. Um, I try to go out there every. Once, twice a year, I try to go out there and visit Christmas time, and then one other time usually. I I personally have no children, never been married, been engaged once. <laughs> That's you know, and that was the that was the one girl that I was with the I want to say like the least you know amount of time, but like I was in a relationship for five years, never proposed, and then I was in a relationship for a year and a half, um, and that was another one for like a year and two years and all that stuff. But the year and a half one, I proposed to her. So I don't know where my mind was on that, but, um, but yeah, so I've never, besides that, I've never been married, no children. My brother and sister have children though. So I've got, you know, I have nieces and that's, that's enough for me right now. So, uh, I get to visit them and then, you know, they can, they can take care of them right now. I have a dog and that's, uh, that's, a, that's a lot of responsibility there because I have to make sure I'm home to walk him and everything. And whenever I go out of town, I have to, you know, find somewhere for him if he doesn't go with me. So. Um, but yeah, I grew up in, um, you know, I mean, my, my parents divorced though when I was younger. They divorced when I was about seven, I want to say, something like that. So yeah, I, I knew, I saw my dad probably for, um, I mean, till I was about 11, maybe something like that. And then 
I don't really know what happened. I remember why, but I didn't, I didn't see him after that for like 20 some years. And, uh, I recently got acquainted with him, um, probably about 10 years ago or something like that. So, I mean, I looked for him, I mean, a couple of times, my mom would help me try to find him. I mean, she, whatever we'd find an address or whatever, I'd go to the address and, you know, I wouldn't, uh, he, he wouldn't be there anymore. It would be like, you know, someone else living there. Then I remember one day one of my friends had actually found his work number and I don't know how he found it, but he found his work number helping me search for him. And I was like, oh man, I want to I was, I had to been like 29, 30 or something like that at the time. And, uh, you know, so, I mean, I, I searched off and on, you know, from when I was about 16, 17, something like that till about then. And then, so I, I found him and I called him and we talked and, you know, we still stay in, we stay in touch now to this day. I've met him um, a couple times since then. Um, he lives in Chicago and he's got a, a wife and I have three stepsisters and stuff. And so, um, I've met them and we've, you know, we stay in, in contact and all that sort of stuff. My, uh, my mom, she actually had a boyfriend after that and they were together. They never got married, but they were together for, uh, well, they were Commonwealth married cause we're in Virginia and, uh, we all lived together after a while and, uh, and they were together for like. 18 years or something like that. So they were together for a very, very, very long time. Different bedrooms. I have to put that out there because my mom would kill me if I don't say that. But, uh, so, you know, but they were together for a very, very long time and, um, he passed away. Um, so he was, you know, he raised us basically with my mom and, uh, he was a great guy. My, um, my brother and I, my sister and I, we got along very well. I mean, we, I'm really close to my family. We used to have barbecues and cookouts and, you know, we would do fun things, go to Bush Gardens a lot. My mom used to work there. So I remember having a season pass there, like all the time we'd have a season pass. And it was, uh, it was, it's a great memory for me. I love, that's like the big kid in me. I love uh, amusement parks and all that sort of stuff. And so that's like something I'd, I, I miss going to like those things and stuff, but, um, but yeah, I mean, we had a normal childhood and just all that sort of stuff. Um, we hung out and, you know, it was close to my brother and sister and let's, uh, clarify some things on your, in your art with your musician, uh, well, your music abilities and your acting. Uh, are you trained in any, in either one or self-taught? No. So I've never, uh, all right. So I've never taken any, vocal lessons whatsoever and the only guitar lessons I ever took was um I, I took them for like two weeks I think when I was really really young I mean like 9 10 11 12 years old something like that I was really young it took them like a week or two I don't think they really helped me any because I didn't I didn't really understand it I guess or, and I didn't move forward with it I just kind of taught myself from there uh, maybe I learned a couple chords and that's about it. And then I remember I took guitar lessons again um, at some point, I think when I was in middle school, I think it was, or something like that. And, or maybe, yeah, I think it was like middle school or something. And it was the same thing then. I took them for like maybe a couple months and that was it. And, and the only thing I really took away from that was I remembered a couple scales, like my pentatonic scale and um, my... Um, and the part of my major scale and that's about it. And everything else I like, I learned, I took the rest of the scales and learned them. And, and, that, and to me, the scales really were more for lead guitar and I'm not a lead guitar player. I mean, I can play very minimal leads. I'm, I'm mostly a rhythm guitar player. It's just to accompany my voice and to be able to write. Cause I can, I write music. Um, I don't read it. So I don't mean write it that way, but I, you know, I can I can pick up the guitar and I can play a riff and and throw out a melody over melody over top of it, and so it's just you know that's my it's just it's a natural gift that I was very blessed to get and um, I just I learned it on my own for the most part and just enhanced it. I just I practiced and practiced and practiced and that's what I would tell people too is like just. You know, if you want to do something like that, you you have to do it. You've got to put in the work because if you don't put in the work, it's just not going to, you're not going to do it. You have to put in the work. I mean, I didn't pick up the guitar, start playing or, or those, that minimal amount of lessons and play and get anywhere where I was with it. You know, I mean, I remember the first CD I made and it was like, 
oh man, if I listen to it now, I'm like, it was, it was awful. <laughs> it was very awful. But, you know, they got better as they went on, you know, and I mean, that's, you know, I mean, I was in middle school when I did something and it was like, it was just, it was horrible. But, you know, I released CDs after that with a label and stuff like that. And, it, you know, I mean, I'm proud of those. And so it was just, but it took a lot of work. I mean, I had to practice and practice. And, you know, like I said at the beginning of this thing, I mean, I was, you know, if I wasn't out there with the band in the music, you know, in the music space, I was out there by myself and that's exactly what I was doing was practicing and practicing and I would I was writing and you know everything you know I mean my first song was not great either but you know but now I mean I know how you know how important you know a good hook is in a song and and you know um, creating bridges and choruses and verses and you know how you need to fluctuate these things to make the verse you know be your you know your catch but be your chorus it has to be that that peak in that in that song it has to be what you know what hooks you and you know i mean so it's just it's a learning process you have to learn and practice and practice and practice and as far as what acting and stuff i've i never took lessons either with acting until um not that long ago i took them for about a year, I think it was, maybe just over a year, I took him with uh, with Kim Wheeler-Jackson, very, very good acting coach here in Austin. And uh, I took another class for six weeks with uh, Nick Stevenson. He's also a professional actor as well as a coach here. Um, I took classes with them, but I didn't take them for a very long time until I got out here. And I do recommend taking them because they do, the acting classes, you know, they help. But I think you should also expand from that too. You should do your own thing, but you should learn what other people, you know, have for you to do because, but not just from one person. You should, you know, because everybody has their own style. I mean, you've got like, you know, you've got Stranslowski and, and, you know, method acting and you got sense memory and you've got uh, practical aesthetics and, you know, all kinds of different things you can learn. And, and a lot of that stuff, you know, I learn on Google. I get on YouTube and I watch videos of people like, you know, talking about method acting or talking about, you know, um, practical aesthetics or, you know, sense memory and all that stuff. And, you know, one of the classes that I was taking was not necessarily sense memory, but it was in a nutshell. It was basically around about that type of acting. And, um, and the one I took for six weeks was just I, it wasn't really anything in there. It was just more so acting for camera is what it was. And so, but yeah, I, I think you should definitely, you know, touch base with every single one and see what works for what works for you because not every single one of those is going to work for everybody. And you may have something on your own. That's how some of these are created. It's people create their own things and they, they make them, you know I mean? Some people write, you know, their character down in a journal and, you know, create their, their character that way. Some people, just create the character in their head and they sit in that character and some people go as far as method acting and they just they live in that character until you know so it's whatever works for you is what you should do so that's one thing i learned you know with, with his classes is I, you have to also you know do it and do your homework and learn it but you need to also find out what works for you i personally think but outside of that yeah i didn't have any um I never, I do editing as well. I never took any editing classes. I've never taken any directing classes. I never went to school for it. Uh, I don't have any, any classes in screenwriting or uh, songwriting or uh, for theory or for any of that stuff. I mean, I just, I learned it from mostly just, um, it was just a God given gift, but also, you know, I, I just, I learned as much as I could, whether it was just doing it. You know, and that's another thing, like James Cameron said on, I, I saw a video on him um, where he had said something about, you know, if you want to learn how to do this, he's like, you don't have to go to school. He's like, just get out there and get a camera and shoot with your friends. He was like, you know, make bad films. You know, if you, I mean, they're going to get better. Just keep on making them, you know, learn from your mistakes. And, um, you know, I mean, there's no right or wrong way to make a film. You know, you just do it. And... You know, so I'm real big on just, you know, making, you know, I mean, I'm not saying don't go to school, but, you know, I mean, I, I didn't, um, I went to school of music production when I was older and that really was the, the only, what I learned with that was, and that was more so for mixing and stuff. And I learned like how to use pro tools and stuff. And, 
Um, and I think that was basically a stepping stone for me to get a laptop to work on editing and because that's what I did for a job when I was out here at one point, editing demo reels and short films for people and I get hired to do that and stuff. And, you know, so it was kind of like a learning, a learning curve for me because um, I had to make a podcast and all that sort of stuff when I was in school for it. But um, I never finished it because they wanted uh, more money that my grants weren't covering and, and I couldn't cover what they were wanting me to cover. So, but I still have my, still have my classes and all that sort of stuff, but I didn't get to finish it. And, but again, I think that was just at that time because I had gotten into film like right after that. And so I think that was just kind of, you know, where God had put me for the moment to get a laptop and to learn, you know, to do podcasts and, and some editing and, you know, to, just to get me in that direction is what I really, truly believe. I was going to ask you, were you ever active in community theater? Um, no, like I didn't really, um, I didn't really do that. See, here's the funny thing too. Like when I was, when I was younger, you know, my, my mom told me one time, she was like, you know, I always knew you were going to get into, get into film somehow. And I was like, really? And she was like, yeah. She was like, because when you were younger, when my dad, when we all lived together, uh, for my parents divorced. So it was, again, I was before seven years old. She said that, you know, and it was a time, you know, I guess I'm 41. So it was time when you just had like, you know, we had the rabbit ears and, and, you know, so we'd get, you know, ABC, the basic TV stuff. And, you know, you know, there'd be commercials and all that sort of stuff and everything. So, you know, we would watch something, you know, as a family at night. And then it would be like, she said during the commercials, I would get up. You know, and I'm, I don't know what I'm doing, like, you know, that young. I said I would I would get up in front of the family after, you know, like during the commercial break and I would just reenact whatever just happened on TV. You know, you know, I guess I didn't have a problem performing in front of my, my family at the time, you know. And so it was anybody else performing in front of when I had, you know, when I was younger. Now it's I don't I'll perform in front of anybody. But like, you know, so it was, you know, so I was doing that when I was younger. You know, but at the same time, she said I'd be on a playground and I'd be telling, you know, the kids, I'm going to be a rock star when I get older. What do you, you know, her kids be like, you know, I mean, that's what I wanted to talk about was music and being a rock star. And, you know, and I was reenacting, you know, films that just happened, you know, during the commercial break and, you know, and things like that. And, um, you know, and I, I do remember, though, when I was, you know, Star Wars was a big movie when when I was growing up and and, you know, absolutely loved it and, and Virginia it snows and so I remember at the very beginning of episode or of um, episode five with Empire Strikes Back you know he's in Hoth which is like the you know the snowy land and everything and I remember like you know I'd go out there as a child and I'd I'd lay in the snow and I'd, I'd like reach my hand and I'd be like Ben you know that scene or whatever and I remember doing that like I'm playing around and stuff in the snow like that but you know it never occurred to me that that's what I was doing you know, and it was never a thing that triggered in my head at that young going, oh, I, I want to be an actor. You know, it was just something I did for fun. And so I just I never realized it until later, until I until, the, you know, all the other stuff happened. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, I was like, if I if I had known this, like, but I mean, and then again, everything happens in the right time, you know, so it wasn't probably the right time for me to, to be doing it until now. But um, you know, I mean, uh, yeah, I had no idea, you know, and I mean, I did take, um, I did take theater in, in high school, but it was like, I, I didn't, I didn't take it because I wanted to take it to, you know, because I wanted to be an actor or anything like that. It was more so, you know, I took it because I had to have a recreational class and I was like, oh, well, this could be an easy class or whatever, you know, so then I can have more time to spend it with my music. You know, so, you know, I, I took the class and I mean, and it was fun. I mean, I, I, you know, look back and I mean, I enjoyed it and stuff. And, um, I don't know that I, that I learned a ton from it cause I don't know how much I was paying attention. And then, and then I know in middle school I did do three plays and, um, and I don't, you know, but again, it wasn't anything that I was like, um, I was doing it for any, any reason that I was chasing that dream. Um, that I recall at least and you know I, I yeah I did three plays but I didn't really do anything like any community plays nothing like that so yeah I mean that's pretty much that's pretty much what I did like, as far as background with that stuff